Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles, That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. Welcome back to the program again this week, and thank you again for joining us. This is probably, I think, the fourth program that we have shot uh, on the book of, of uh, Judges on Samson. There's a whole great series that we've done uh, on the book of Judges uh, up to date. I don't know how many series sessions we've done on it, but we've, what, we've, what we have been showing you is that it begins in the book of Judges by saying, now after the death of Joshua. And the key to this whole book is what was exacted by the death of Joshua. And what we showed you is the word Joshua is the Hebrew name Yeshua. It is the Greek rendition of the name of Jesus. And so what the book of Judges is about is what happened after the death of Jesus. And every one of these 12 judges does something in the visible realm that's a picture of the redemptive work of Jesus Christ. Uh, while Gideon was threshing wheat, hiding it under the wine press, that's bread and wine. That's, that's symbols of icons of the new covenant. Uh, you see uh, J.L. with a nail. The nail she used uh, is the same Hebrew word that's used about the nail that was used to nail Jesus to the cross. Uh, we being many as one bread uh, is a picture of the of Gideon and his armory, army because the enemy saw them like a loaf of bread rolling down the hill. In other words, all of these are pictures or icons of the redemptive work of Jesus Christ. And last week especially, we talked about Samson, who gave them a three-day riddle to solve. And that three-day riddle was the three days and three nights of the person and work of Jesus Christ, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And the riddle was their sweetness in the eater. And the solving of that riddle is simply this. The death of a king has produced promised land stuff. And he told them, if you can solve this riddle in three days. And after the third day, they could not solve the riddle. That he would give them 30 changes of fine linen. And, and, and uh, what we shared with you is that the 30, the Bible number 30, means the blood of Christ. That Jesus was crucified around the age of 30. His blood was shed at the age of 30. They would give them 30 changes of raiment or fine linen. The fine linen speaks of the righteousness of the saints. Put it all together. The death of a king has produced promised land results. And as a result, your king has conquered. And he's conquered by the blood of the lamb and by the word of his testimony. And he's given you robes of righteousness as a result of his work as a free gift because of the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, we get to reign in life by one Christ Jesus. And if you've missed any of these, I suggest you go back and review them, and they are available to you on our YouTube channel, also on our podcast. Easiest way to do that, to go back and, and review many of the things that we've said it's impossible to put it all in a 30-minute segment and even to review it is to go back to this website at lynnhiles.com. The information is on the screen, and you can, at that point, uh, uh, up the upper right-hand corner, there are icons where you can tap on them. It'll take you directly to our YouTube channel. And then there's also an icon for our podcast for, for the Apple device, and there is a little Android icon 
for your Android device, but all of that is available where you can go back and review these things. Because we are studying and as we move on, we kind of build and we build and we build and we build on this. And what's really wonderful about YouTube is you can go back and review it, pause it, or you can DVR us every week, however you want to do that. But I suggest that you stay with us in these studies because there's so many hidden treasures that we are digging out of this at, that I think it's incredible. What we've shared with you is how Samson, and this, this is the fourth segment on Samson, is a picture of the Nazarite vow. It's returned to the right covenant. It ultimately ends with the greater Nazarite, who is Jesus Christ, and we're going to try to get to him today, who in his death destroys more of the enemy than he did in his whole life. So his death, burial, and his resurrection exacted more for us as the true Nazarite because Jesus was born the Nazarene. And out of Nazareth, can any good thing come from Nazareth? Well, it did in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And so in the beginning of this story, we shared with you last week in chapter 15, uh, that uh, Samson goes down and he sees a Philistine woman and he falls in love with her and uh, he goes down uh, and uh, he uh, pursues her and in the process he ends up because he's distracted. Now this to me, when I think about Samson being distracted by a Philistine woman and what his problem is, you're going to see even in this chapter because we're going to go to chapter 15 in just a minute is Samson's weakness and problem is he's got an appetite for bad women. And uh, he seems to have a taste, and that's his weakness. And what is amazing to me is that every one of these people in the book of Judges are all flawed with some kind of human weakness and brokenness. And, and uh, you know, I... Uh, uh, I, 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 this ministers to me because I listen. I, I have been I've been all over the world. Forty four years I've been in full time ministry, and I can tell you from the pulpit to the door, every place I've ever been, everybody is broken in some way or the other. And I, I think sometimes the reason we celebrate it when we see sometimes well known leaders fail is because somehow it makes us feel better about ourselves or it lets you see at least that I'm not the only one's got brokenness. Now I'm not saying that to stay in your brokenness. I'm trying to tell you that God uses our uses us in spite of ourselves. And here you got Samson who's a picture to me of a lot of our failures, especially in the beginning of it who's got an appetite for these strange women and gets himself in trouble over and over and over again because he's, uh, he, he can't seem to overcome something. See, and the whole story of the book of Judges is about how there were things that these people refused to drive out of their land. There were some things they were willing to live with. And the things they were willing to live with came back to be thorns in their sides and came back to prove and to try them. And I believe that when I first started teaching this, I said, what are you willing to live with? I think God wants us to drive out of our land some things. But the truth of it is, even when we fail, God doesn't leave us. He's not finished with us. But we see through all of these stories, his redemptive work and how he always raises up a Savior that comes on the scene even in our brokenness. Because the whole theme of this book of Judges, again, in the latter part says, in the days of the Judges, every man did what was right in his own sight, and there was no 
king in Israel. But what God was doing was raising up judges to bring exacting judgments upon those things. Not, not, not a judgment like to destroy us, but a judgment that was in our favor that would deliver us from the oppression that we brought on ourselves. Most of our pain was not coming from God. It was coming from the enemies that we refused to drive out of the land. And so this redemptive work, and, you know, even as you go through this story, uh, you know, uh, let me just go into chapter 15. It says, after a while in the time of the wheat harvest, it happened that Samson visited his wife with the young goat. He said, let me go in to my wife into her room, but her father would not permit him to go in. And her father said, I really thought that you thoroughly hated her. Therefore, I gave her to your companion is not her younger sister better than she. Please take her instead. And Samson said to them, This time I shall be blameless regarding the Philistines if I harm them. Then Samson went and caught 300 foxes, and he took torches and turned the foxes' tails to tail and put the torches between each pair of tails. And when he had set the torches on fire, he let the foxes go into the standing grain of the Philistines and burned up both the shocks and the standing grain as well as the vineyards and the olive groves. Then the Philistines said, who has done this? What I want you to see is that Samson begins to destroy. Now, again, remember, I'm, I'm using this early part of Samson as talking about how I believe even today many have moved away from solving the three-day riddle of there is sweetness in the eater, the death of a king has produced promised land stuff. We've moved away from the three-day riddle of his death, his burial, and his resurrection. Again, all of these things point towards something redemptive. But even in the beginning of this story, it is during the time of the wheat harvest. Again, these are iconic to me, except the corn of wheat fall on the earth and die. It abides alone. That, again, is speaking of the redemptive work of Jesus Christ. And what Samson is about to do is he's about to destroy the wheat. He's about to destroy the olive groves, and the vineyards, the wheat, the wine, and the oil. <coughs> Anytime we lay our head in the hands of a religious system of the uncircumcised Philistines, which speaks of living in the flesh, and sometimes flesh is not always uh, what we call carnal, it's religious flesh. When we when we move away from God's purpose and destiny in our lives, it destroys the wheat, the wine, and the oil. And it, he burnt, what he did was he took foxes and tied their tails together. I can't imagine how what it would take to, to, to get 300 foxes. This dude caught 300 foxes and tied their tails together and put a torch between them. And when he set the torches on fire, he let them go into the standing grains of the Philistines and burned up both the shocks, the standing grain, as well as the vineyards and the olive groves. I believe God wants to restore the wheat, the wine, and the oil. The book of Joel says that the cattle are lowing and they are groaning because the wheat, the wine, and the oil have been cut off. And he talks about in Job chapter 1 and chapter 2, he says, because of the gnawing locust, the hopping locust, and the flying locust, it has barked a fig tree, it has left the vineyards desolate, and the corn, the wine, and the oil are in a desolate place. But you know, as it, it, it talks about an army that came that destroyed the vineyards, and came in and destroyed the wheat, the wine, and the oil. 
But I love how Peter quotes Joel, I believe it is chapter 2, when he said, This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, that in the last days saith God, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters are going to prophesy. Your old men are going to dream dreams, and your young men are going to see visions. In other words, Peter is prophesying that the redemptive work of Jesus Christ and the death of Yeshua has exacted for us the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then when Peter stood up, he said, This is that which was spoken by the prophet Job in the last days. I'm going to pour out my spirit. It's the restoration of the corn, the wine, and the oil. It is a return again to the right covenant. It is a return again to the true Nazarite. It is a return from th that which we've walked away from that has left the, the fields full of empty grain, no wine, no oil, no anointing, no move of the Holy Ghost, uh, no, no, no message of the finished work, the grain being the finished work of Jesus Christ, the wine being a picture of the baptism and the move of the Holy Spirit, and the oil being a type of the anointing. We have substituted talent for anointing in the American church. And I believe that God wants us to return to this. And what has happened was he takes foxes and, and he ties their tails together. And I thought, as I put in my notes about this, immediately what came to my mind was in, in the Song of Solomon, chapter 2. He said, take us for the foxes. The little foxes have spoiled the vines. And I think some of the things that we have done with this is that we have literally uh, let little foxes come in. Little things that slip in that begin to spoil. In other words, stuff we substitute. Instead of preaching the gospel, we preach politics. Instead of preaching the corn of the death of Jesus, we preach my death. Instead of preaching the, the wine of the Holy Spirit, we give you programs and entertainments. Instead of anointing, we have talent. And what I'm trying to say is that slips in kind of almost like little foxes that spoil the vine, little bit by little bit to little bit, until all of a sudden we look around and say, what do we got? What do we got different than an entertainment venue? What do we got different than just going out somewhere on a Friday night and, and, and going to a concert somewhere? I believe the anointing breaks the yokes of bondage. I believe feeding on the corn will redeem us from uh, uh, our own self-help and our own self-labor, and it would turn us again to the vineyards being full of corn, wine, and oil. And so what he does in that is then he slays 300 Philistines with the jawbone of an ass. I believe it was 300 Philistines. He, sh he slays a multitude of them uh, and, and, and because she's trying again to find out what is the, the secret of his uh, of his strength. And so he woke up from his sleep and said, I'll go out before his other times and shake myself. He did not know that the spirit of, I'm, I'm in the wrong place. I'm sorry there. Samson defeats him with, I believe it was, uh, he set their torches on fire and then he uh, destroys a whole bunch of them. It says, and then Samson said, with the jawbone of a donkey, heaps upon heaps, with the jawbone of a donkey, I have slayed a thousand men. So he kills a thousand men with the jawbone of an ass. Now, then he moves on to the 16th chapter, and he's going to find another woman. Now Samson went to Gaza and saw a harlot there and went in unto her. When the Gazites were told Samson has come here, they surrounded the place and lay in wait for him all night at the gate of the city. They were quiet all night, saying in the morning when it was daylight, we will kill him. And Samson lay low till midnight. Then he arose at midnight 
took hold on the doors of the gate of the city and the two gateposts and pulled them up by the bar and all, but put them on his shoulders. He carried them to the top of the hill that faces Hebron. Afterward, it happened that he loved a woman in the valley of Sorak, whose name was Delilah. And the lords of the Philistines came up to her and said to her, Entice him and find out where his great strength lies, and by what means we may overpower him, that we may bind him to afflict him. And every one of us will give you 1,100 pieces of silver. And so Delilah said to Samson, Please tell me your great strength lies and with what you may be bound to afflict you. And Samson said to her, If they bind me with seven fresh bowstrings, not yet dried, then you, I shall become weak and be like any other man. So the lords of Philistines brought up her seven fresh bowstrings, not yet dried, and she bound him with them. Now men were lying in wait, staying with her in her room. And she said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. But he broke the bowstrings as the strand of a yarn breaks when it touches a torch. So the strength of the strength was not known. Then Delilah said to the Samson, Look, you have mocked me and told me lies. Now please tell me what what you may be bound with. So he said to her, They bind me securely with new ropes that have never been used, and I shall become weak and be like any other man. Therefore Delilah took new ropes and bound him with them and said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson, and the men are lying in wait, staying in the room. But he broke them off his arms like a thread. And Delilah said to Samson, Until now you have mocked me and told me lies. Tell me what you may be bound with. So he said to her, If you weave the seven locks of my head into the web of the loom, so she wove tightly with the batten in the loom and said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. But he awoke from his sleep and pulled out of the batten in the web from the loom. Then she said to him, How can I say? How can you say you love me when your heart is not with me? You've mocked me these three times and have not told me where your great strength lies. And it came to pass when she pestered him daily with her words and pressed him so that his soul was vexed to death, that he told her all his heart and said to her, No razor has ever come upon my head, for I have been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If I am shaven, then my strength will leave me. I will come weak like other men. And when Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, he sent and called for the lords of Philistines, saying, Come up once more, for he has told me all his heart. So the lords of the Philistines came up to her and brought the money in their hands. Then she lulled him to sleep on her knees and called for a man and had him shave off the seven locks of his head, and they began to torment him, and his strength left him. And she said to Samson, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. So he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as before at other times and shake myself. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. Then the Philistines took him and put, on, put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza, they brought him, bound him with bronze fetters, and he became a, a grinder in the prison. However, the hair of his head began to grow again after it had been shaven. Now the lords of the Philistines gathered together to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their God, and to rejoice. And, and they said, Our God has delivered into our hands Samson, our enemy. And when the people saw him, they praised their God, for they said, Our God has delivered into our hands our enemy, the destroyer of our land, and the one who multiplied our dead. So it happened when their hearts were merry that they said, Call for Samson that he may perform for us. So they called for Samson from prison, and he performed for them, and they stationed him between the pillars. Then Samson said to the lad who had held him by the hand, Let me feel the pillars which support the temple so that I can lean on them. Now the temple was full of men and women. All the lords of the Philistines were there, about 3,000 men and women, and the roof watching while Samson performed. And then Samson called to the Lord, saying, O Lord, remember me, I pray. Strengthen me, I pray. This once, O God, that I might with one blow take vengeance on the Philistines from my two eyes. And Samson took hold 
of the two middle pillars which supported the temple, and he braced himself against them, one on his right and the other on his left. And then Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. And he pushed with all of his might, and the temple fell on the Lord's and all the people who were in it, so the dead that he killed at his death were more than he had killed in his life. His brothers and all of his father's household came down and took him and brought him up and buried him between Zorah and Eshtalal and the tomb of his father Manoah, and he judged Israel 20 years. I think this is a powerful picture to me of a return. I think that a religious system that you lay your head in the hand of because it is an entertainment-based religious system. Remember, the Philistine says, perform for us. It's a performance-based religious system. And I think many have laid their heads in the head, lap of a harlot system because they are looking for something in all the wrong places. I think about people chasing the neon rainbow and trying to find identity in ministries who are end up, you know, selling their soul, so to speak, chasing a neon rainbow rather than preach the message God placed in their hearts. And they modify their message and their ministry and they moan and groan for an hour and a half because the money is good. And it's nothing but an entertainment based to entertain the uncircumcised Philistines. And they've laid their heads in the lap of a harlot and been lulled to sleep to the place where they've moved away from the secret of what their strength is in. And the strength is in the power of the covenant that we have between us and the Lord Jesus Christ and the covenant of the true Nazarite. She laid her head, he laid his head in the lap of the harlot, and he finally let her know the secret of his strength. And when she had shaved his head, the Bible said he shook himself at other times and wished not that the God had left him. Now, I'm not trying to tell you God will leave us as individuals, but I believe sometimes God has walked away from a lot of our religious systems, and it is empty, it is void, and there is no life in it. It has poked our eyes out until we've lost the vision of the purpose of God in the earth. A lot of people know what they've been saved from. They just don't know what they've been saved for. And all we believe most of the time is you get your ticket, you go to heaven, and you come on Sunday morning and pay your fire insurance, and then one of these days you get to go there rather than God is raising up deliverers with a message that's going to restore the wheat, the wine, and the oil that's going to lift itself out, out of the lap of the harlot, because Samson's hair is growing back. I believe God has got a company of people who are returning to the Lord in the sense of their dedication and in the sense of their integrity. Integrity and, and uh, uh, holiness and uh, uh, walking a, a godly lifestyle is not legalistic. It's the work of the Holy Spirit working in the life of the believer to bring about transformation in our lives. But what I see here in pictured is this, is what he shook himself as at other times and said, I'm, I'm going to uh, shake myself. Didn't know, not know that the Spirit of God had left him. I think it's also an interesting thing is as we've moved away from uh, the covenant of the Nazarite and not able to solve the three-day and three-night um, riddle, that there's some things that I think I found interesting in um, studying this about the three days and three nights and about the, the, the three-day riddle of Samson, that there was, uh, that there's sweetness in the eater that, that connected this even to Jesus even better. And there's this thing called, in, uh, uh, it's, it's called uh, gender inversion. It's almost like you, the, the name Solomon 
and the name Shulamite, the woman in the, in the story of the Shulamite, uh, has the feminine name Solomon, or that Jesus, uh, who is the Son of God, is part of, he has the body of Christ, and that's a woman. In other words, there's a gender inversion in these verbs. But what I began to see was that the, the word uh, for, the word for uh, lion is the Greek word, or the Hebrew word, are, and it is the uh, Greek version of the Greek word. If, if the inversion of it is area, I, I'm probably saying it wrong, and that word, that word is translated in manger, and it is used, that word lion, that same Hebrew word translated in its inversion is translated when Jesus came in the manger. So this is connecting him to that manger. And then the Hebrew word for daybar, which is the word for bee, is the word that we get the word word from. So the word was laid in a manger, and it is also the feminine version of that is the name Deborah, who we find in the book of Judges. In other words, uh, the message of the of the, the nativity of Christ is even found in the story of the book of Judges because the word bee is the word word and the word for lion is the word manger. And so what you see is the word was in the manger and now we have solved the three-day riddle that the word became flesh, dwelt among us. Now the word is standing to execute judgment upon all the lords of the Philistines as he stands at the cross while they are mocking him and making fun of him. Hallelujah. There's a return to the, the power of the gospel of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I don't know if I'm making sense or not. But when Jesus was lifted up, when he took all of the powers of darkness were gathered that day, while the lords of the Philistines, if, if the princes of this world had known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. And he says, take me to the to the to the, take me to the pillars of the temple and let me put my hands on the pillars of the temple. And when he put the hands on the pillar of the temple, Samson's hair had grown back. In other words, the real Nazarite is now on the scene and the one who was going to bear all of our iniquities, all of our failures, and all of our weaknesses and give us the change of garment and going to destroy the Philistines is now standing there in the arena. And he says, bring me to the pillars of the temple. I believe once again we are standing in a day when Jesus is standing through a corporate body with his hands on the, the corrupt religious system and it is shaking and it's shaken to the core. But I believe in the midst of that, Samson's hair has grown back and God is going to restore everything that we've lost in Adam and restore it to us in Christ as the, the kingdoms of this world are shaken but the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have now come on the scene. Samson's hair has grown back. The judgment has been met and the victory has been won. I hope you've got something out of this. Uh, we're out of time. Uh, if you'd like to sow a seed into the ministry to help us to be able to continue to broadcast on the air and to take the gospel around the world, please do that by going to our website. There's a place there where you can give via our PayPal portal where you can give via credit card or debit card. You can set up a monthly debit if you'd like to become a monthly partner. You can give a one-time gift. You can also uh, write to the address that come on the screen to Lynn House Ministries with check or money order, or you can call the number on the screen and someone will take your call. If no one answers, please leave a message and we will return your call. But we do need your help, so do it today. God bless you. Thank you for joining us. 
I am excited to announce the release of my latest book titled The Great I Am. In this book, we will explore the seven times in the Gospel of John that Jesus says, I am. When he uses that phrase, it is always in contrast to something from the Old Covenant. For instance, they thought Moses and the law was the door into the sheepfold, but Jesus said to them, I am the door. They thought that Israel was the true vine, but Jesus said to them, I am the vine, you are the branches. As you read the pages of this book, you will discover that Jesus removed the covenant of death and replaced it with the covenant of life. Get your copy of the book, The Great I Am, today.